Welcome to another episode of School PR Drive Time, a podcast produced by NCSPRA about driving the narrative forward for public education through the work of school PR professionals. I'm your co-host, Stacia Harris, a member of the NCSPRA board, and I'm with Buncombe County Schools. Today, a fellow board member, Molly McGowan-Gorsuch, joins us for this amazing conversation. Molly is with Henderson County Public Schools. Hey, Stacia. In this episode, we're talking with Holly Holland. Holly is the Public Information Officer for Calcasieu Parish Schools that's located in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Holly is a one-woman PR shop. Her system has about 32,000 students and 5,000 employees, and she has been in her role for almost five years. While in the midst of COVID-19 re-entry communications in August, Calcasieu was hit not once, but twice by back-to-back hurricanes, adding weather updates and closures, school restoration, and waves of school reopenings to the mix. It's a stark reminder that natural disasters don't share a calendar with other global crises, and that can affect school communications at any time. I feel like dealing with disasters and being able to communicate through really difficult times is just a core competency of being a school PR professional. And this uh, this conversation with Holly, I think um, I personally had lots of takeaways and, and I hope our listeners do as well. So it's going to be a powerful conversation. Let's go ahead and start the show. Hello, Holly. Welcome to School PR Drive Time. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, I'm glad to be here. We have lots to cover, but I'd love for you to get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and your role with your school system. Sure. Um, I'm born and raised here in southwest Louisiana, Lake Charles uh, in Calcasieu Parish. We are the fifth largest school district in the state of Louisiana, uh, but I'm a one-man PR shop here, one-woman PR shop uh, with 32,000 students and 5,000 employees. So we're a really big operation. Uh, So I have lots to do on a daily basis and especially right now. You guys have had uh, quite the school year, to say the least. Um, We're recording this in October of of 2020. And uh, just to to catch the folks up at home, y'all have had a pandemic and multiple hurricanes to deal with, correct? We have. um, So we started dealing with COVID here with our school system really back in March. Um, The governor shut the state down on March 13th via tweet. Um, We found out along with all of our families Uh, So we went into scramble mode very quickly to get some plans in place uh, to get us through the rest of last school year. Uh, He initially shut us down for a month, but then it ended up being for the remainder of the school year. Uh, Fast forward to this school year, we had return to school plans in place that had been modified and modified and modified and then modified again. Um, But we were really ready to roll. And um, our first day was we were excited about it. We had delayed it 10 days, August 24th. We were ready to hit the ground running. Um, and then Hurricane Laura came upon us. And so uh, we never really got our first day because Hurricane Laura hit three days after our first day was scheduled and we were under mandatory evacuation. Um, so after Hurricane Laura, we were able to reopen a few schools. Um, and then Hurricane Delta came. And actually yesterday was the first day back for students after Hurricane Delta, we actually had 39 schools of our almost 60 uh, welcome students back yesterday. Uh, so here we are nearly two months later having another first day of school for a lot of our kids. 
What a journey. I mean, I think all of us, especially here in North Carolina, we've had a little bit of that stop and start as well, but, but certainly not to the degree that you guys have. So uh, obviously you'll, you live in Louisiana, so you're used to hurricanes, so that, that's not new. Tell us a little bit about your communications plans for hurricane season, and then I want to get into sort of how you guys have had to modify what y'all are doing. So just with any real situation, you have a lot of things canned, um, and that's a nice way to put it, but all of us in school PR understand that. Um, and honestly, we, we kind of, I hate to say, but we kind of joked about it at the office before of, hey, we were kind of overdue for a, a major hurricane hit. It's terrible to say that, but um, you know, we were hit really hard with Hurricane Rita in 2005, um, and then we had another hit in 2008 with Hurricane Ike, but we have not had a significant storm since then. And so while you have things canned, you know, I've been in this role, it'll be five years in February. So I had not experienced that in this role at all. And so I feel like everything that I had in my back pocket was essentially useless, honestly. And I think that was simply due to the magnitude of this storm. Um, you know, we have plans, you have crisis plans, you have communication plans. Of, hey, you know, we're going to be notifying parents. This is kind of a, an estimated timeline of, hey, when we get back and we're back in Calcasieu, this is you know, this is what we hope to do. Um, but unfortunately, when we returned back to Calcasieu after Hurricane Laura, we had 97% of our buildings had significant damage. Um, and, and that's not just schools, that was our office buildings too. And I, th I think we were near 100% had some sort of roof damage, including the largest high schools in our district. Um, so every communication plan I felt like I had in place, uh, I felt like it was just rendered useless and we were starting from scratch. But thankfully, uh, the team that we have here, we've work tremendously well together um, to get through this. And I, you know, I credit the community. We have a very understanding community here. I feel like we're all going through this together. Um, you know, they understand they may not have a home, which means we may not have a school. Uh, thankfully, we're not at the point where we had any one of our schools just completely wiped out, but we do have some with very, very significant damage. So Holly, I know you mentioned that you kind of have some things in your back pocket. And again, those will change depending on the situation, but knowing that people will be listening to this years down the road, long after COVID is hopefully a distant memory. Um, I'd like to hear some reflections on what other evergreen communication tactics worked in this particular situation with the hurricanes mm -hmm. and what lessons you've learned that will make you better at your job in future hurricanes. Hopefully they don't happen, but like you said, <laughs> There's something you have to deal with in your area. Right. So um, I think like all of us, I keep a, a one note binder of um, scripted messages, whether it's emails, school messenger calls, social media posts. Uh, they're typically very, very helpful. For me in this situation, uh, scripted was the last thing that our families here needed or wanted to hear. Um, they wanted real people real words, real communication, not a formal message that they've heard before. Um, and I feel like I kind of learned that the hard way through this process, because at first I was, you know, kind of reusing a little bit of the same message over and over again. And I quickly learned that that was really not what our families needed uh, in this time. Uh, and 
it was hard for me to realize that because I'm a little bit of a control freak, which I think is probably not uncommon in the school PR world. Definitely not. <laughs> but I had to uh, release the reins a little bit, um, you know, especially with the reopening plans that we have now in place. Um, we're putting a lot uh, of the burden on our principals, which I typically hate to do because I know our principals' plates are really full right now. Uh, but I also know that this is a time that our families need to hear from someone who may be a little bit more familiar to them than I am. You know, I have to remember I'm a district level position. I don't necessarily have one-on-one -on -one with these families on a regular basis. They hear my voice when we have a crisis, you know, or when there's important information to communicate, not hey, your kid made banner roll, or hey, come to homecoming. Um, and so I felt like this was a really great opportunity for our principals to extend that compassion and sympathy and empathy with our families. Um, and so they've actually been the ones that are communicating with their families and their staff um, regarding reopening dates. So I'm doing district-wide uh, communication as far as like to media and on social media, but they are handling the phone calls, the, the personal touch that goes directly to their families and employees. And that has been huge for us. That has been um, something I haven't necessarily released the reins to do before now, but I feel like now experiencing this, I'm going to be much more likely to do it in the future because our families really, really needed it. So when it comes to um, letting them take the reins, like you said, do you in your position support them? I'm sure you do, but like, do you provide any sort of prompts or scripts or here's um, some talking points in case you get some questions they might not be able to answer? So what I've, what I've done is I've done a little bit of both. Um, I've offered to provide them talking points if they want. But I've also at the same time really encouraged them to draft their own calls and their own messages and then offer a look over them before they go out. Um, a perfect example was um, this week, one of our elementary schools here in the parish, that's probably going to be one of our last ones to open because it is severely damaged. It is in very much a um, outlying community, a very family community, um, farming land, uh, and they live for this school, they love this school. And uh, the principal reached out to me, she said, I, you know, I wanna do a message to my families. And I said, look, my recommendation is don't get down in the weeds, you know, don't tell them every little thing that's happening. They've got enough on their plates, just be very general. So she sent me the message she wanted to send out. And I was like, hang on, let's take a step back. We don't need them to know that we're removing a wall in the cafeteria, lunchroom, I mean, you know, the gym, the classroom, the fifth grade pod, like, let's just say, hey, we had to remove some walls. Like, let's not overwhelm their already emotional souls with even more than they can handle. Um, but that principal was so grateful that she could bounce it off of me before it went out. Um, so I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm typically very proactive when it comes to, you know, what I like my people to communicate. Um, but right now I'm, I'm encouraging them to be that way. Uh, but I also feel like it gives them they're, they're emotionally tied to their schools, you know, and so they're not only grieving what they may have lost at home, they're also grieving what they've lost on their campuses. And so I think that being that person to communicate with their families, I think it's part of the healing process for them. And so I'm, you know, I'm here to support them and do whatever I can to help them through that. 
That's great. And it sounds like you've got wonderful relationships with your principals to begin with. And I think that's so important for them to, to trust you and to feel, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, to feel comfortable coming to you and saying, Hey, you know, does this message work? Is it too much? Is it too little? So it sounds like from, from your end, you guys have some really good strategies in place. And something that I wanted to ask, as I sort of put myself in your shoes, how do you all overcome the physical communication barriers that happen when a hurricane comes and sweeps through your area? I'm talking, you know, cell phones are out, power's out, uh, people had to flee their homes, and they may not have a home to come back to. How do you all overcome that challenge of just getting the messages to your families and staff and for that matter too. Yeah. So, um, that might be an understatement of the century of, you know, being a huge problem here. This is kind of funny, but all of our school district cell phones are carried by Sprint. Sprint was the one cell phone carrier here that was down. So no staff here if you were in Calcasieu could not communicate with each other via your school board phone so our superintendent and our risk manager had to go get burner phones like within a couple of days after the storm so they could communicate because I was 36 weeks into a high-risk pregnancy I was not here in Calcasieu because my doctor said we can't deliver a baby here you need to get out Thankfully, I wasn't far, but I was in a place where I had good cell phone service um, and I wasn't fighting the Sprint cell phone tower battle they were fighting here. With that being said, Suddenlink is our internet and cable provider and they're basically a monopoly here in Calcasieu. Um, and it has been the biggest uphill battle with them. Um, Compared to, I'll just compare it this way, with power outages in the area, um, energy is our, you know, our power source here, and that company had people restored very quickly, uh, very, very quickly, and in the same amount of time, suddenly can only restored like 4% of their customers, and so we're talking like not only of our families that are, have this for cable and internet at home, but like our main servers are on Suddenlink. Wow. We had to make sure that when we were crafting these messages to communicate that we were doing it in all possible ways. So that meant school messenger calls. That meant a press release to our local news agency. That meant website updates. That meant social media updates. But it also meant, hey, principals, you have your own Facebook page for your school. If you're not in a place to share it on your page, let me know. Make me an admin and I'll do that. Um, That's another thing that's been really tremendous for me. You know, with so many sites, I don't serve as an admin on all of them because there's no way I would ever be able to breathe. Um, Mm -hmm. Through this, I have encouraged them to add me as an admin um, so I can go in and do those things in the middle of a crisis, then they don't have to worry about it since their plates are full. Uh, I just turn off my notifications for the other pages so it doesn't you know, uh, become burdensome. Um, but that's been helpful as well. But we've had to work really hard to make sure that we're checking all of our boxes in our communication tools uh, to make sure our message is getting heard. You know, another battle we fought was our news station here in town. Um, they actually left the station, which is kind of unheard of. And I don't know that they've done that here in years. And they evacuated to Baton Rouge and they were um, live, doing live newscasts from the news station in Baton Rouge. 
And thank goodness they did because their tower fell into their studio when Hurricane Laura came through where they would have been broadcasting live from. Wow, that is unreal. It's unreal. It is. And like, that's my family. Cause before I went into PR, I spent a year as a general news reporter here. So like, that was my, my first home out of college. Um, and so that's what we're dealing with here. I mean, like the whole tower collapsed right into the studio. And so, um, that was another hurdle was our main news for our area was temporarily off the air. And then they were only on social media for a while until they could get back on a channel. So um, lots of communication hoops to jump through. I feel like I'm still learning things every single wow. And we're, you know, almost two months from Laura now, uh, not so much from Delta, but um, it's just been quite the learning process. It, it sounds like you jumped through hoops over <laughs> alligators and sharks who are hungry. Yeah. Yes. Adventure. <laughs> yes. So, so oh, and then COVID, by the way, too, because oh, yeah. reopening schools, you know, we still have our COVID reopening plans in place that we had in place before. So our kids are still on a staggered school schedule, which, you know, outside of here makes a lot of sense right now. It's um, our, our families are struggling with it because a lot of our parents honestly need their kids out of their homes so they can rebuild it. You know, uh, school is kind of a safe haven to send their, their kids to right now because their plates are full at home. Um, you know, a lot of our daycares are closed until further notice here, which oh is gosh. a challenge. So, um, you know, it's, it's just a lot here right now, but we're resilient and, and we're going to make it. <laughs> Absolutely. And to me, the, the takeaway that, that I'm hearing through all of this, well, lots of takeaways, but especially as PR folks, we have to make sure that our communications avenues have backups and those backups have yeah. backups because who on earth could imagine the tower falling onto the TV station? Right. Um, just, right. Unreal. I mean, you, ha you just have to plan for all eventualities. So certainly an important takeaway. Well, we want to take a quick break now. And after the break, we want to talk about all of the, the feelings and frustrations associated with picking up the pieces after, during a pandemic and after two very damaging hurricanes. You're listening to School PR Drive Time. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Kevin Smith from the membership and social media team at NCSPRA, the North Carolina School Public Relations Association. On behalf of our team and the NCSPR Board of Directors, we hope you are enjoying this episode of School PR Drive Time. This podcast is one of many member benefits we offer you when you join NCSPR. From engaging professional development to the recognition of your talent through the Blue Ribbon Award Program, membership has its benefits. We encourage you to follow us on social media and help spread the word about what it means to be a member of a school public relations organization that supports the mission of everyone in North Carolina's public schools. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to School PR Drive Time. I'm your co-host, Stacia Harris. And I'm Molly McGowan-Gorsuch. Today, we're chatting with Holly Holland, PIO for Calcasieu Paris Schools, located in Lake Charles, Louisiana. So Holly, you're a school district staff member, but you're also a person dealing with the same trauma of this disaster that everyone else in this area is. How are you and your colleagues in the district weathering this storm together, both personally while trying to manage the very important work you have to do? I honestly think that that's probably been uh, the most challenging part of this. 
you know, when we all returned after Hurricane Laura, uh, we all evacuated because, uh, well, I say we all evacuated. My superintendent actually made a very last minute decision to leave. He was going to stay. But once it hit, you know, cat four status, he said, you know, I'm out, which I'm very glad that he did because um, he's wonderful and it, it was the best decision. Uh, but when we came back, you know, like me and my husband and my son at the time, we came back. Uh, Hurricane Laura hit early Thursday morning. We came back Thursday afternoon. Um, and the devastation you saw when you drove back to the parish was gut-wrenching. Um, it brings tears to my eyes right now just thinking about it. And, you know, I was here 15 years ago for Rita, lived through that, and it was nothing compared to what Laura has been for our community. Um, so to come back and to realize we had a home still, um, it's not damage-free, but it's livable. Um, it was crazy how fast livable became the new standard uh, for everyone, you know, and that meant our employees, Hey, how's your house? It's livable. Um, we, we are still hearing that. Um, that means we've got concrete floors like what I do in my own home or, you know, water spots all over the ceiling and insulation scraped out and no one has a fence in their backyard, but we have to remember that we have families and our own coworkers who don't have homes at all. Um, and that's been a very challenging thing to navigate because really at the end of the day, we all have jobs to do. Lots of people in our school district are depending on us, um, but we're all still human. And there is a, yes, this is all stuff. It is all material things, um, but it's still sad. There's still a grieving process to go through. Um, that sounds crazy. It sounds cliche, um, but it's, it's been a learning process to give each other time to grieve and mourn. And that means as a school district too, I can't tell you the sadness and the heaviness that we've all carried because of the damage that we have to our schools. You know, one of our high schools is known for their performing arts program. They put on fantastic musicals every spring. Everyone looks forward to it. Like all of our elementary schools go on field trips to see it. I mean, it's a big deal. We've had kids come out of this program and go to New York. Like, I mean, it's huge. And um, the entire roof over their stage area was ripped off. Um, and so, you know, we, it was so sad to share those photos. Um, but I, I shared it in a way that I hoped gave people hope, and I think that it did. Um, I actually just wrote a little caption on it that basically said, you know, a different light is shining on this stage now um, because it was sunlight because there was no roof. Oh uh, but also I put in there, you know, we know that the stage lights will be back on, you know, very soon. And they're, I think they're going to end up getting a whole new stage and a whole new auditorium out of it. Um, but there was mourning and there was grieving and then for me to not be a student in that program or not be the sponsor of that program, like to think of them in that situation, the senior who may not be able to perform their musical on that stage this year. Like, I just can't imagine the heartbreak for them. Um, and so I think we've all just learned how to be a little bit more compassionate through all of this, that everybody's storm, their weathering looks a little bit different at this point. Um, but we're all grieving. Our hearts are all broken. Um, so we have that in common right now. 
So Holly, something that you, that you said uh, struck me. Um, and so through, through all this first, so you um, ha have a son and then you had a baby in between hurricanes because that's just what one does. <laughs> that's what, right. That's just what, what's what you do. Um, so through all of this, you, you in, a, in a way, you still have to sort of document what's happening to your schools and you, you have to show your community what's going on. What, what on earth was that like? I mean, I, I, I just, I can't imagine, you know, taking my camera into this place where I'm sure I've, I've been a million times to cover food yeah. or, or, you know, or, or a concert and to not have a roof on my, on my school, but, but you still have to cover that. You have to document. Yeah, that. absolutely. So, um, I've relied on other people a lot through this since I couldn't be, you know, boots on the ground um, when it all happened. That was very hard for me because I'm very, like I mentioned earlier, control freak, very hands-on. Um, but for the first time for me, I think I learned that um, it wasn't my turn to shoulder all the burden, um, which I think has been... Uh, it's been huge, and but I think that honestly, for the first time, other people in my district have realized that they have a little bit of, at least a little bit of um, the burden to carry as well, because we are better together. You know, um, like for instance, my, my boss is not huge on media interviews all the time. Not his favorite thing. Um, my first Christmas I worked for him, I made a, a little plaque on a shelf that says, um, you know, basically media request. And then underneath it, it has superintendent Brookhouse colon, no comment. And it's because <laughs> he knows how much I cringe at those words. <laughs> but I sent him a text message the other day. I'm like, Hey, national media folks are, are picking up. Um, CNBC wanted us. Good morning. America wanted on, wanted us. I'm like, you know, you know how I feel about this, but what are your thoughts? And his text message back to me said, I'm willing to talk to anybody at this point. And I was so proud of him because that's not something he would have said a month ago. Um, but he realizes through this that our story needs to be told. Our story deserves to be told. And it's not for Couch Parish schools. It's for, like I mentioned, the high school senior that's not going to get to perform his musical on his stage. It's for, um, you know, our teacher who may be teaching her last year after a lengthy career in education is going to retire. You know, those are the people that make this district work. Those are the people that make this district succeed. And those are the stories that need to be told. And um, telling those stories through all of this looks way different than I ever anticipated. Um, but it's still the job that we have to do. And so no matter what that looks like, we're certainly going to do it. You know, when our superintendent was at our high school, one of our high schools the other day, doing an interview with CNBC, their softball team was there because the coach had gone out and solicited donations from the community for her players and their families. And so CNBC was actually able to interview a couple of softball players who were there getting baskets of cleaning supplies for their families because they didn't have it, you know, otherwise. Um, yeah. So like I said, there's, uh, there's a lot of work to be done, but I think all the work that we're doing is uh, healing. Absolutely. You know, Molly and I both had a reaction when you said, you know, it's not my, my, turn to shoulder all the burden this time. And I think that's so profound, especially for smaller PR shops. It's, you just can't be everywhere. You have to have people that yes. you trust 
to help yes. you tell those stories. And, you know, it's almost like you have to set the expectation with your staff members ahead of time to say, hey, crazy things, you know, happen. And I need to know mm -hmm. that I can count on you because yeah. we're going to ask you to do things that you may not be comfortable with. Um, and I, th I think that's so striking that you, superintendent, just step up, stepped up and did yeah. national news interviews. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's certainly high pressure for sure. Well, but and like in the midst of this, I sent a uh, an email to our principals and just said, Hey, I know you guys have a lot on your plate right now, but um, if y'all could shoot me uh, a text message with a couple of pictures of what contracting companies are on your campuses today, you know, take a few minutes and do that for me. And I probably had 10 responses within a couple of hours. And so I just created a small little Facebook post with pictures from each of those schools. And you wouldn't believe the families and parents that had commented and said, please keep sharing this. This is the kind of hope we need to see. And it was, a fan at a school drying out the hallway. Oh, yeah. But but our principal stepped up and knew in that moment that that's what their families needed to see as well. Um, and so it it's just been uh, to see everyone come together, not for themselves, but for our community has just been tremendous. And I think the one thing that you mentioned along those lines is for the control freaks in the room listening, <laughs> uh, hi. Hi. <laughs> it's not just that other people are willing and able to do it. It's like you have to give those reins over. You have to allow yeah. that space. You have to make that space. And I think that that's something that's been a valuable lesson, not just for, mm -hmm. for you, but I think anyone um, in the, dealing with the crisis communications right now. Oh, it's been so hard. You know, there's only one other person in our district that has administrative rights to our Facebook page because I'm that much of a control freak. And it's <laughs> our middle school administrative director who was a principal before he's in his current role. And the only reason I even made him admin privileges is because he came and asked for them. But apparently when he interviewed for the job he now has, that was one of his goals. Like he's young, he's really into social media. And that was one of his goals. So I'm like, well, I'm glad I can help you achieve that. But like, for instance, this past Friday morning, I had to send him a text that said, Hey, I need you to answer the Facebook messages today. I cannot. And I was almost in tears sending him that text message because I felt so inadequate. But my husband looked at me, he's like, hey, you can't do it all. Like, and you politely reminded me that I have a five week old that I'm, you know, still mothering and, and my son's daycare is closed. So he's still here with me. Um, and so, but I had to learn that sending those sorts of text messages probably should happen more frequently in the school PR world mm -hmm. because I, I felt like I was able to do other parts of my job on Friday better than I would have been had I been answering Facebook messages. And so he took that burden off me for the entire weekend, which was so nice. Uh, but I, I've, I've had to learn that I, I'm going to have to ask those sorts of things more instead of stressing myself out. And I think we can all agree with that and understand that. Absolutely. Um, gosh, so much of what you said, just, it just gave me goosebumps because I think to some degree, we're all feeling that right now. And, and, oh, yeah. and, and we will, I mean, knowing that every school system will go through its own disaster. That, mm -hmm. that you have to learn, you have to learn how to deal with. And uh, so, so with that, and, and kind of as we start to, to wrap up our conversation today, I, I want to know what, what is next for you guys? I know you mentioned that you're starting the process of opening your schools sort of as mm -hmm. you're able to. Mm -hmm. um, how are you feeling about that process and, and, and sort of what's next for, for you guys? 
honestly, I feel like this part of the process is more stressful for me than anything up until this point, uh, simply because um, I feel like our parents are really needing us to reopen right now. And I feel like we can't deliver, um, which me who wants to always succeed and always, you know, be on top and then winning. Um, it's hard to be those saying the person saying no right now. Um, and, and like I've mentioned to other people as a school district, we're a soft target, you know, um, we're not going to jump on social media and get combative with people and argue with them when they're expressing frustration with us. Um, and so, were people's outlet and that's hard. I have to stop reading the, the Facebook comments uh, for, for my own mental health. Exactly. Uh, we went through this when COVID started because um, we do have large portions of our community that are very anti-mask um, and those sorts of things. And our Department of Ed mandated masks for second through 12th grade at all times. Um, and so we dealt with a lot of that frustration back when we release our reopening plans. Um, and in that situation, we were soft target. And now that we're reopening schools, I feel like we're a soft target again, um, simply because we can't give a parent an estimated timeline for their school to reopen. You know, we, perfect example, we had an elementary school that was ready to go. All we thought we had to do was replace carpet with some water damage. When we ripped up the carpet, there was asbestos tiles underneath that all had to be replaced. So that delays the reopening of that school significantly. Um, and the last thing we want to do is give a parent a timeline. Hey, your school's going to be opening next Monday. And then us have a setback and that family have come back to our area um, just to start school and then we're unable to. Um, we certainly understand the frustration of our parents and we certainly want to be the ones to ease that. We're just unfortunately in a situation where we can't. And so, you know, my superintendent and I have talked about it and we agree that we'd much rather be the bad guys for not giving an estimated date than giving an estimated date that's completely wrong. Um, but it's hard because I don't like being the bad guy. I don't like being the person that can't provide the answers because I feel like it's my job to provide the answers. Um, so that's why I feel like this part of the process has been more stressful than the others. Um, but like I said, we've got 39 schools open as of yesterday. Um, we announced six more. So we're at about 65% open right now for our schools. Uh, we're hoping that the rest of them come within the next couple of weeks. We may have a few stragglers that um, we're hoping less than five that have the worst damage. Um, but I mean, as soon as we can get our kids back, we want them back. You know, like I mentioned, it's been since March 13th. There's nothing we want more than to have all of our kids back on our campuses with smiling faces, you know, eating in our cafeterias because a happy note in all of this, all of our kids get to eat for free with us all year long. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're so excited about that. So we just want to get them all back on our campuses so we can feed them, <laughs> you know, so we can teach them so we can love on them from a distance. Thanks to COVID. We're, we're ready for that. Holly, thank you so much for sharing your insight with us about how to deal with disasters that may or may not have to do with the global pandemic. Um, your insight's been fabulous and we can't wait for your kids to come back to school. I know you're very excited. We are. Thank y'all so much for having me. It's certainly been my pleasure. Thank you, Holly. 
Well, that was an intense conversation with Holly. Uh, I, I feel like there was um, so many more directions we could have gone. There just isn't enough time you know, in the world, I think, to cover all the ground that um, we could have covered. Um, but oh my gosh, what a year. Some of the things that really stuck out to me, um, and I know I mentioned this, was her, her realizing that she couldn't shoulder the burden of documenting and telling the story of her school system. Um, yeah. I love that her superintendent really leans into the concept of, of being better together. Um, I thought that was just real telling of, of the good relationships that she's built with her staff. And you build those before the hurricanes come and before the pandemic hits. And, and then finally, uh, as we were wrapping up, she, she said offline how important it is for her school system to be able to get kids back in the building because they're just yearning for some inkling of normalcy in a time where nothing is normal. Absolutely, Stacia. And I think one of the standouts to me was the touch. She taught. She touched on something that we, as communicators, learned probably in Comms 101. But it's to utilize every communication channel you have. I think these days we are so uh, prone to just hit the digital uh, communication channels. But she was sharing that a lot of times, you know, the infrastructure is going to be shut down due to some disaster and you have to have backups to your backups. And I thought that, that was a really important and timely lesson and a good reminder. Absolutely. And I think as, as school PR people, we have to know it's not if, but it's when a disaster is going to strike. And if you can just have all the tools that you can in your toolbox and ready to go, you can weather the storm as best as you can. Absolutely. A great conversation with Holly and Molly. Thank you for being my co-host today. I appreciate your help. It's always a pleasure. 